All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started tonight. Um, uh, we, like I said, uh, this morning, uh, we, uh, gonna do something a little bit different. I'm going to take a look at, uh, something from, from scripture that, um, is, uh, a little bit of a different, uh, um, kind of look at how, uh, God does things. And, uh, we're going to turn to, uh, the book of Matthew and the book of Mark, um, again, uh, last week we were talking about something that we're not going to mention again, <laughs> but uh, we were talking about Levin and we looked at Matthew and Mark and we're going to kind of do the same thing again tonight. Um, I, I really had a struggle to try to find some sort of title for, for what we're talking about tonight, but uh, I, guess, I guess the best way to do it is, um, or even to, to take a look at it is, uh, um, you know, that, that the Lord requires or not requires, but has a different, um, a different way of handling certain situations. And it's not a way that we would think about how to handle it, but, uh, let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 17 <clears throat> and Matthew chapter 17 <clears throat> and, um, and, and th- there was a situation where, uh, you know, the, the, the Lord, uh, Jesus had sent out, um, his disciples to go and, and heal and to cast out devils and, and, uh, do those type of things. And they, they, they obviously came back and there was, uh, uh, a few issues, a few, few, few situations that, that occurred. And, um, one of the things that, that we see here in, in verse uh, 14 of Matthew chapter 17, it says, and when they were come to the multitude, there came uh, to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, uh, for he's a lunatic and sore vexed. And oftentimes he falls into the fire and off uh, into the water. And I brought him uh, to thy disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and then he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus apart and said, Why could we, or why could not we cast him out? And Jesus saith unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, he shall say unto the mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth out by prayer and fasting. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. Thank you again for an opportunity to uh, study your word tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, direct this time, that it would be pleasing and honoring unto you. I thank you again for um, all that you've given to us. And uh, Lord, again, how you're constantly teaching us to uh, increase our faith and uh, to trust you more and lord have our belief securely placed upon you i pray lord that uh we'd learn something tonight that your holy spirit would teach us um that lord it would uh, just um if you will inspire us to look uh, deeper into your word and uh, drive us closer to you thank you again for this time this i ask and pray in your son's name jesus christ amen so let's keep our place there in Matthew chapter 17, and let's just go flip over to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. 
And we're going to see the parallel passage here. Um, Martin gives a little bit more details. As I was talking about this morning, uh, you know, there's various different viewpoints that we have, but obviously um, the viewpoint of God is the most important. Um, but uh, what we see here in uh, verse uh, 14 uh, of Mark chapter 9, again, as a little bit of a longer passage, it says, When he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning uh, them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, running to him, saluted him. And uh, he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? One of the multitude uh, answered and said, Master, I have brought unto my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And whether uh, wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake unto thy disciples, and, and that they sh- uh, should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. So, so right away, you can see there's some differences in what details are being presented. Uh, Matthew presents uh, the, the, the child, uh, the son, uh, throwing himself into the fire and throwing himself into the water to kill himself. Um, suicidal thing. That's obviously uh, one of the, me- the main things that you start seeing when it comes to um, some sort of uh, possession of a devil. The, the, you'll find that as kind of a tendency. Uh, they have a tendency to self-harm because you, you find in this passage, again, he describes in a little bit more detail about uh, gnashing with his teeth, pining away, uh, terror him, uh, foaming at the mouth. I mean, things like that. Uh, obviously, something that we would see today and we would probably just immediately say that person's higher than a kite. They're on heroin. They're on meth or something of that nature. But what we find here is we find that this is clearly a case of a devil possessing this child and um in verse 20 it says and when they brought uh, him unto him uh and, and when he saw him straightway the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming now this has got to be a very interesting situation now, now you see why the scribes all of a sudden were were starting to have some questions why there was this if you will uh, impromptu gathering and multitudes showing up. Jesus walks up upon this and sees all this stuff going on. Uh, the disciples couldn't uh, uh, cast this uh, de- uh, devil out of him. Uh, the scribes were being in and question what was going on. Uh, the multitude sees him and knows exactly what's going to happen, that this devil's going to get cast out. And certainly he, he, he does. And he asks his father uh, in verse 21, how long is it ago since this came unto him and he said of a child and oft times it uh, cast him into the fire and cast him in the waters to destroy him but if thou canst do anything have compassion on us and help us and jesus said unto him if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears lord i believe help thou mine unbelief and Jesus saw the people came running together. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter uh, no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. 
and he was uh, uh, one as uh, excuse me, and he was as one dead, in so much that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was uh, coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, "Why could not we cast him out?" And he said unto them, "This kind can come forth by nothing." but by prayer and fasting. So here we have this situation. Uh, this is the parallel passage, and, and I wanted to read this for context so we understand what's going on here. Uh, this, this devil has possessed this child. Uh, nothing seems to be working at this point. Uh, the, the, the usual uh, tactics, the usual uh, actions, the usual attempts are, are all failing at this point. Um, and, uh, the Lord shows up and of course, because of who he is, I uh, can supersede all of that uses, uh, 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 words to, to, to cast him out. And, uh, sure enough, this, uh, this devil is cast out of the child. The child is, uh, restored. Um, we see a lot about uh, talking about belief and unbelief here, but the main thrust that I want to look at tonight, um, specifically is this issue about prayer and fasting. You know, there are some things in this life that we often think that we know exactly how to handle the situation. Now, the disciples here obviously had a bit of an issue. They had a bit of a problem. Uh, what they were trying wasn't working. Now, God it had given them power to be able to do this. Now, we find them, you know, doing it uh, uh, earlier on when he sent them out two by two. Uh, and they came back and gave their reports and, and, and said what they had done and just amazed at what, what, what had happened. But, but here's a situation where what they thought was the right way to do things, what they thought was going to work, didn't work. And, 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 and I kind of want us to consider this for a moment that, that many times in our life, we think that doing certain things or doing certain actions is going to produce a specific result. And we're, we're often befuddled and confused when it doesn't. And when we go to the Lord, there may be some, 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 some rebuke that says, well, you just don't believe. And, and many times that's the case. I mean, how many times have we prayed in unbelief? How many times have we, we, we done something in unbelief? Kind of with the, oh, well, I guess we'll go ahead and try this. You know, kind of expecting it to fail as well, but, you know, the Lord t- does what he does best. You know, sometimes that happens. Uh, sometimes we, we enter into a situation where it's like uh, we, we, we kind of are expecting the worst thing in the worst case scenario to happen. And, and, and we're, we're surprised when the Lord does something. We're surprised when, that, when, when something happens in our life. But, but, but here we are looking at this situation and what the Lord teaches them is that there's a very different tactic to use. Not everything is going to be, if you will, um, a, a, a rubber stamp template kind of way. You know, every, every single day that I go to work, we're, we're dealing with legal templates. We're dealing with a different, uh, documents that we draft and we use different forms and we have language inserts. But every now and then you get one of those agreements that just comes across that you have to custom craft by hand. And we've done that. We're like, ah, we don't even know how to approach this situation, but it's something that we need to do. And 
we've got to come up with this. And so we kind of integrate this language and that language and pull from this and that. And, and we create something that is going to, to satisfy the agreement that we've come to with the parties. But it, it's something that's unique. It's a totally different, you know, critter. And we always put the caveat on there. Don't ever ask us to do this again. <laughs> Because, you know, it often takes, you know, a long period of time to get those things through. And of course, there are always, you know, hair on fire emergencies. We've got to get it done immediately type things. And, uh, but, uh, but we always say, you know, that, that's, a, that, that is a one time thing. You're, you're only going to use that one time. And then they come back and they're like, well, can we use it again? No, just stop. Don't ask. <laughs> you know, it's, we, we don't use it that, uh, that way. But what we find here is that we find that the disciples, are learning a lesson about going to the Lord and figuring out the best way to handle the situation. Now, it's interesting to note here that, that, that at this point, they hadn't gone to the Lord yet. Now, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it was because it was just fresh and it had just happened. But at no point in time have they gone to the Lord and, and, and come to him and said, Lord, we're having a problem here. Can you help us? The disciples didn't, didn't, weren't forthcoming with that information. Now, I don't know why. I'm, I'm not going to even speculate as to why. I'm not going to try to insinuate that they were trying to hide something. I'm not trying to insinuate that, 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 that um, they were ashamed or anything of that nature. I, all I know is that, that for some reason, they were the ones that did not go to the Lord to figure out the problem. The Father crowd, what he came upon. All of these things we find very, very clearly, you know, paint a very different picture. And in a situation like this, you know, there, there is some unbelief. And he mentions that in, in back over there in, in Matthew chapter 17, where he says in verse 20, he says, when they asked, why can't we cast them out? And he said, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. There was something in the heart of the disciples at that point in time that they weren't believing. And I often think it was because that they didn't believe that God could handle the situation because they couldn't handle the situation. And understand what I'm saying with that is, is, is often is the case is we look at a situation as a lost cause. Well, pfft, we tried. Obviously, the Lord wasn't in it, so we're not going to do it. So we don't go to the Lord with it. But what they were supposed to do was they were supposed to go to the Lord. Because the only way to get this situation resolved was with prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. But again, the situation that they were kind of in was they, they wanted an immediate result. They want to say a word and cast it out, right? They want to be able to just, you know, just, just right out of the gate, fire the shot, one shot, one kill, be done. But that didn't happen. And sometimes that's the way, you know, a Christian can get in their life. And it is spawning some unbelief because we think this is the way that, that, that the Lord needs to handle it. And when we try that and we try that, 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 that action, or we try uh, a, a principle that we see from scripture and it doesn't work the way that we expect it to work, 
we, we, we allow some of that to creep in and cause some doubt. The first thing that we should always do is we should go to the Lord. So when we're faced with these circumstances that are not normal, when we're faced with a situation that just does not seem to get resolved the way that we would normally think it would be resolved, because when you think about you know getting casting out an evil spirit, you go through Scripture and what do you see about casting out evil spirits? There's this there's words that are said and the thing comes out right. Maniac Gadara, right? You, you, the, the the woman that was following um, uh, Paul and Silas around over there in uh, in Philippi. Um, all these things. I mean, it's just a matter of, of, of just saying a word and boom, it comes out, right? But for some reason, this one doesn't respond to that. This devil, this spirit didn't respond to that. It responded to something different. And as, as he points out, he says, Howbeit in verse 21 of Matthew 17, howbeit this kind go out, uh, uh, not, but by prayer and fasting. He's saying this thing won't leave. In Mark chapter uh, 9, he says there's nothing that's going to work but prayer and fasting. But prayer and fasting. And I will tell you this, prayer and fasting are two things that are often not the first thing we try. We, you know, as believers, sometimes we try something else before we try that. Let's take a look here, just a prayer, just for a brief moment. Turn over to the book of James. You know, again, the, one of the, the more powerful passages regarding prayer. Um, there, there's a ton of verses that we could talk about when it comes to prayer, but in James chapter 5, I, I think this one really, really addresses the matter specifically in regards to this situation. Uh, uh, um, in, in verse 17 of James chapter 5, it says, Elias was a man subject to like passion as we are, and he prayed earnestly. Right there in verse 17, he's talking about uh, Elijah praying, and he's saying he's praying earnestly. Not a casual prayer, but 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 really, really if you will, engaging God in an earnest and honest and forthright and consistent and constant manner where he says he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth the space of three years and six months. Now, we go over to the passage and we find very clearly that he begins to to pray and it talks about three years so we can again surmise that he'd been praying for a few months during this period of time that the rain would not come and take a look at it and begin to kind of look at the time frame and you see that it's kind of insinuating here that elijah prayed for six months six months and God gave him those keys to whether it was going to rain or not. And all he had to do was pray and it would rain. That's a pretty amazing thing. And when you sit there and think about it and you think about that span of six months, that's a long time to pray for something. 
I'll tell you, people have prayed a lot longer for some stuff. Years. Years for a loved one to, to, to turn to Christ. Years for a loved one to return to Christ. Years uh, for for health situations. Years for, for, for other situations that are going on in a person's life, other problems that, that, that exist. But here he is, he's, he's basically praying for a long period of time. And it says here in verse 18, and he prayed again and, and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. I mean, obviously very, you know, in a serious way here, we see that the Lord had, had really used prayer to demonstrate God's power to demonstrate who he is. And it says, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and, uh, excuse me, I do err from the truth and one convert him. Uh, actually that's, uh, not, not the verse I was looking at here specifically, but, but what we, uh, I wanted to end right there with verse 18, but what we find is the, what he's talking about specifically with prayer is we find that he mentions in the, the very first verse in verse 16 where he starts talking about this prayer talking about how earnestly he engaged in this prayer in verse 16 where he says confess your faults one to another and pray for uh, another that you may be healed now again he's praying for for you know for, for for something specific with individuals and he he specifically then goes into how long and earnestly you have to pray for situations and pray for one another and it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The, the, the effectual fervent prayer is demonstrated in how earnestly he's praying and what Elijah is praying for. He's praying for no rain. He's praying that his people will return to the Lord. And the only way he knows how to, you know, to, in his mind to see how that's going to work is if they don't have the food and the resources and they don't have water to do what is necessary to live. That's a tough thing to pray for. It's a tough thing to pray for. But with his effectual fervent prayer and this earnest praying, we see that there's a specific time. And that time, he's praying, and he, he's praying for a long time. Patience. Patience he's praying. Patience he's praying for, for repentance. Patience he's praying for, for, uh, for a national return. With patience, he's just actively seeking God in all of this. And God says... That, 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 that devil over there, that spirit, that foul spirit, the only way to get rid of that thing is to pray about it. But it's not going to be a real quick prayer. Now, if he had just said that this kind goes out by nothing but prayer, then it would be like, oh, okay, we'll just pray, right? Pray, right? That's all we have to do is just pray. Just simple prayer. Lord, cast this thing out. We would expect it would be done. But he adds a component to it to show the time of how long it happens. How long that prayer should be. It's not the immediate prayer. It's not the one-time prayer. He then goes into prayer and fasting. Fasting in scripture, we find 
many times was for a longer period of time. You know, we, we, we look at fasting, and, and many times it can be used kind of, if you will, as a description to kind of show of how we as individuals can bring our flesh into submission. Uh, sometimes it is necessary when there's sin that is present and we're trying to be repentant of the sin, we have to bring our flesh into submission. And telling our flesh, hey, you don't get to eat, as our stomach is gnawing on our spine, that, that, that that's a pretty serious thing. You're telling your flesh, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to eat. We're going to fast. And what that is, is you're putting your flesh into subjection to spirit. That's an important part of fasting. But it's one component. Let's take a look at a couple of passages. I want to turn over to the book of Ezra. Now, now obviously, this isn't, you know, we're not talking about a sin issue specifically in this regard, but what we're talking about is a situation, uh, we're going to turn to Ezra chapter 8. We're talking about a situation where he says that this, this, this thing leaves when prayer and fasting is involved. You know what that means? You're probably not going to see the immediate result. You're not going to see something happen like that. You're not going to see, you may not actually see it happen when it does happen. You may not be around to see and witness it. Because you're going to be busy praying and fasting. That thing is off doing whatever it's going to do and then eventually just leaves. Because of the power of prayer and the power of fasting. So here we are in Ezra chapter 8 and in verse 21. Uh, here he says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, and that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. He, he, here, here's Ezra, and he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and fast, and everyone else is going to fast with me because we got to figure out the right way to do this. Now, I'll tell you, when we are faced with very serious situations and problems in our life, there are two things that we need to make sure that we're doing. Now, first and foremost is obviously we're, 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 we're taking whatever that situation is and we are bathing it in prayer. It, it, it is covered in prayer. We are praying for it every which way we can, every moment that we bring it, think about it, everything. But the second thing is, is we need to make sure that we're making our flesh wait. That our flesh is in submission. That's what this fasting part is about. And he says, look, we're going to afflict ourselves. You ever have to go on a fast? I was in the hospital. I I, I didn't eat anything and my nutrition was coming from uh, an IV bag for a few days. Loads of fun. Great way to lose weight, not. Um, <clears throat> fasting can help you lose weight. You got to be careful with it, you know, um, as always. Um, you know, there's, there's certain ways you got to be very, very uh, careful. Otherwise, you can mess up your uh, your uh, your metabolic uh, panel and gets really funky really quickly, like mine did. Um, they, they, they kept telling me I'm malnourished. I'm like, I don't look malnourished. 
tell me to lose weight and you're telling me I'm malnourished? Okay, all right. Uh, let's, uh, let's think about this, Doc. But anyways, you know, <clears throat> it's basically malnourished is you're not getting the right nutrition. You're getting bad nutrition. You're not getting the stuff your body needs. And sometimes we have to put our flesh into the right order in our life. God likes order, as I've talked about. There are certain things that go in order. First, second, third, and so on and so forth. And I'll tell you this. First and number one is never your flesh. That spot is reserved and sanctified for Jesus Christ himself and him only. No one. No one gets the number one spot except him. Has to be that way with everything. The next thing that we look at is here, we're talking about this, uh, this, uh, fast. It's gonna, it's gonna cause some affliction. You know what affliction is? Affliction isn't always, you know, horrific oppression or anything of that nature. Uh, it, it can just making yourself uncomfortable. You know, back in the middle, uh, middle ages, dark ages, time of darkness, whatever you want to call it. It was a really bad time because spiritual darkness existed. A lot of people had no idea what was going on and uh, the word of God was not freely passed around and not given. And at the end of the, the those ages, what do you wind up seeing? Right around that time as people begin to really start working on getting the, 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 the word of God out to the people in an English language in a way that they could read. In the 1600s. People would walk around and they would think it would be godly to walk around and, and uh, have a uh, some sort of device that as they walked around the, the, the streets, they would sit there and they would whip themselves. And they would think that that's committing, you know, giving penance for their sins and that would help relieve some of their sins as they're walking around whipping themselves. I don't see anything in scripture that says whip yourself. Beat yourself up. Don't do that. Why? Because Jesus Christ was whipped for us. He was beat for us. He bled for us. It was paid for on the cross. So you're not paying for anything. You're just whipping yourself. You're self-harming. Which, as we see, is a very devilish tactic. It's not scriptural. It's not scriptural. But what we find here is he's, he's saying that we might afflict ourselves. We're going to make ourselves uncomfortable. We're going to, we're going to make it so that we're hungry. We're going to make it to the point of where we really truly, you know, are, are, are in the process of pro- proclaiming this fast. It's going to be difficult during this time. Fasting is not a, always an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. There's a right way and wrong way to do it. And I'm not going to go into the details about that. The Lord talks about it and doing it in private and making sure that you're not uh, making it known and publishing it abroad and so on and so forth, unless it's a fast like this. I, I tell you this, you know, if, if all of a sudden, you know, one of the, 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 the politicians, it, it, if Jay Inslee got up tomorrow, he claims and professes to be a Christian, by the way. If he was to get up and he was to say, uh, we are in a big serious state of trouble here in the state of Washington. We need to turn to God. I'm proclaiming a fast. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fast with him. And so should everybody in the city. And so should everybody in the state. 
Nobody should eat. Restaurants closed down. The grocery stores closed down. Like, well, that would ruin the economy. Well, which more important, ruining the economy or ruining somebody's soul? But well, here, here we see, he says, we're going to afflict ourselves. We're going to afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us. He wants to know the right way to go about doing it. You know, when it comes to prayer and fasting, we engage in that fasting process. We're engaging in it so that we can find the right way that God wants us to do something. The right way that God wants us to do something. He says that we're going to, we're going to fast for this specific purpose to find that right way to seek for uh, of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. Not just for the adults, but for the kids too. And not just for the kids, but for everything that we own. When was the last time you fasted for your TV? For your for your laptop, for your internet connection. But here he is. He, he he's fasting because he wants to know the right way to use it. I'll tell you this: in a situation where you've got a person that comes and they've got an addiction problem, and let's choose the biggest addiction that is facing the United States of America right now. When people are going to say, "Oh, fentanyl," nope. Heroin, nope, meth, nope, pornography. It is running absolutely crazy. And it's not just men. They always used to say, well, they called it the, the, the man, the, the, they called it man's sin or something like that or something. No, it's not just men now. It's getting really bad. It's free, it's accessed everywhere, it can be found everywhere nowadays. And and I'll tell you this, it's being pushed and promoted and just shoved down our throat with such intensity. And it's out there. And in a counseling session, somebody comes and says, I don't know what to do, uh, and I I, I can't get away from it. All right, you're accessing it through your laptop. Yeah, I'm doing it through my laptop. I'm doing it through my computer. It's just, it's constant. Okay, well, I think we need to fast about this. It's a fasting. I'll tell you this, you know, that spirit, dealing with that issue, that's one of those ones that comes out by prayer and fasting. Because you can't just flip the switch. This is about bringing your flesh into submission. How do I use this for you, God? Maybe we need to spend a few days without food to, to, to really think about how I'm supposed to use what you've given me for your honor, for your glory, and for your praise. Take a look at verse 23 in the same same passage. It says, so we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. This was all for the purpose of, of going to God with prayer, prayer and fasting. They go hand in hand, by the way. It's hard to separate the two. It's really hard to separate the two. 
And they're going hand in hand. And he says, look, you know, this is what we need to do. We're going to entreat God to get an answer from him. Many times that's what this, what fasting is about. Lord, how do we handle it? The, the, the disciples had tried every which way that God had directed them. God had told them they, those things weren't working. So what was the best way to go about doing it? What was the way it was going to be handled? Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Turn over to the book of um, Esther. Let's go to Esther and let's take a look at chapter um, chapter 4. <clears throat> Esther is a unique book. It's one of the two books that's um, titled after um, a woman. You got Ruth. You got Esther. Um, it's uh, also uh, one of the other two book, or one of the two books that does not mention the name of God anywhere. It doesn't mention the Lord. You want to know what the other one is that doesn't mention the Lord? Song of Solomon. Go through there and scour, and you're like, wait a second, it's got to be in there somewhere. But you know what? In the book of Esther, you know what you know? God's God's dealing with the issue. God's handling this problem. God's handling this. He's taking care of his people as he promised he would. And what we find here is we find uh, uh, Esther's going to go about and go do something here. You know, in chapter four, Mordecai, uh, sees what's done. He, he, he rents his clothes and he's, uh, uh, sackcloth and ashes, um, in verse one. Uh, people are in verse three. Once it gets known what's going to happen, uh, the Jews, they start fasting, weeping and wailing in verse three. And in verse four, it says, uh, here, um, I think this is, uh, no, well, uh um, uh, verse four, you're talking about Esther's maids, uh, um, that came and told what was going on. Um, she goes ahead and has Mordecai come. Mordecai starts telling her some of the stuff that's going on and what's happening. And, uh, um, uh, in verse 13, we have this passage. It says, then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, think not that, uh, with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews, saying, he's coming after you too. Don't, 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 don't think that Haman's going to exclude you. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their, uh, enlargement and deliverance arise from the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? One, one of the more powerful passages of scripture. One of the more powerful passages of scripture where Mordecai is saying, you know what? God's going to take care of this one way or another, whether you do or whether you don't. But if you don't, you're going to be destroyed. And who knows? Maybe this is the whole reason you're where you are at this moment in time. Which we see is true. But we see here in verse 15, it says, then Esther bade them... um, Return Mordecai this answer. Go gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast for me. And neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king 
which is not according to the law, but if I, and if I perish, I perish. She couldn't just show up in front of the king. You had to make an appointment. Had to be approved. Had to go through committee. Why are you seeing the king? Yeah, she was wife. She was queen. But that didn't mean a thing under Medo-Persian law. And here, here she is. She's like, I'm going to appear. I could be killed for this. This could be the end of me. Took some courage. Took some courage. But interestingly enough here, she says, Mordecai, I want you to gather all the Jews and I want you to fast for me. You ever have anybody come up to you and say, will you fast for me? No, we... That's a, that's a, that's a little bit too much to ask, isn't it? Something bad's you know something's going on. Something's happening in your life. You ask somebody to come up. You come up to them and say, "Will you fast with me? Will you fast for an answer? Will you fast for protection? Will you fast for the hand of God to move in my life?" Will you fast with me? You know what the disciples in the old needed to do? All 12 of them? Let's fast for this person. Dad, you need to fast too. The only way this is going to get taken care of is if we're all praying and we're all fasting. But Dad, this isn't going to happen overnight. Fasting was done for a time. That prayer and fasting that, that, that Jesus talks about is to indicate a passage of time. It wasn't going to be quick. It was something that was going to take waiting on God and having patience. Take a look at Psalm chapter... 35 <clears throat> Psalm chapter 35 and <clears throat> Psalm chapter 35 um <clears throat> in verse 13 it says but as for me uh when they were sick my clothing was sackcloth I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned into mine own bosom I like this verse I like this verse. Well, one of the main reasons I like this verse is because it clearly points out something. It points out that, you know what fasting's, one of its primary purposes is? To humble you. To humble you. I dare say, if you're ever confronted with the fact that you've got pride in your life and you realize it, and it's just staring at you, you then you realize you need to start fasting. You need to humble yourself. And here he says, I'm going to humble, and, and, and what's going to happen? I'm going to have prayer return into my bosom. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start fasting. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to fast. But there's a humbling process. There's a humbling process. I tell you, if you were given the power to walk around and start casting out demons, you'd 
probably, just like everyone else here, myself included, you might start getting a little too big for your britches on that one. You're walking down the street and you see one of the guys on the corner yelling at the sky. And you walk past him, be gone! And the guy turns to normal, goes out and gets a regular job. He'd be like, hey, 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 look at that. <laughs> you walk through the homeless camp. Homeless camp, you know, reduces in size down to 10% after that happens. You know, something of that nature, right? You start thinking pretty big of yourself. Why do you think that that's one of the things that televangelists that are charlatans and scammers do? Makes them look powerful. Cast out those things. They've got the power of God. Well, this wasn't about the power that they had. This was about the power of God that they needed to see in the child's life. Not from them. This was something that the Lord was going to handle one-on-one. And they needed to engage it in prayer and fasting. Not with a direct assault. Not with saying, be gone. Not with casting it out but very specifically with a humble spirit. A humble spirit. Turn, turn to Psalm chapter 69. See another uh, uh, aspect of what, what prayer is and, and, and fasting specifically. In Psalm chapter 69, <clears throat> Psalm chapter 69, <clears throat> and in verse uh, verse 10, and, and again, this is this is part of a messianic prophecy. If you read the verses before, it says, "When I wept, I chastened my soul with fasting. That was to my reproach." Sometimes we need to make ourselves a reproach, less appealing to the world, less appealing to ourselves. Uh, if you will, bringing ourselves to a lower point. And here he says, I'm going to chasten, uh, chasten uh, my soul with fasting, uh, with fasting. It's a chastening process. It's a correction process. Fasting will correct your thinking. Fasting will correct your thinking. Specifically, the thinking of your heart. You have to be very careful with it. But I'll tell you, it'll bring you into the right right frame of mind real quick. You realize exactly how dependent upon physical things you really truly are. There's there, there's things that, 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 that this is about correcting ourselves. Interestingly enough, the Lord's teaching them that the only way to get this one out is is for the person to really engage in some humility and chastening. Making sure you're right with God before you even attempt to cast anything out. We find that that's what part of this is is about. You know, there's serious things that we go through in this life. And you go over the book of Daniel and you find in a couple of places... Uh, Daniel in chapter six and chapter nine, uh, two places where he's, he's facing some difficult things going on. Uh, he, he, he prays and he fasts. Turn to Daniel chapter six. Let's, let's see this. Because again, 
I tell you, that's a pretty difficult dug-in spirit if the only way you're going to get rid of it is through prayer and fasting. If it does not respond to the words that, that would normally cast it out, it doesn't respond that way. That thing is dug in like a tick. It's not letting go. So, so, so there's, there's going to be a difficult situation. And this is what he's saying. Look, it's not always going to be that easy. Yeah, how easy is it to walk up to somebody that's demon possessed and walk up to them? Uh, and, and again, not having confidence in self, but having confidence in God and say, the Lord rebuke thee. Depart. That's pretty easy, isn't it? Prayer and fasting isn't. Prayer and fasting takes labor. Prayer and fasting takes love. Prayer and fasting takes humility. Prayer and fasting takes time. And here's Daniel in Daniel chapter 6, and he's getting ready to get cast into the lion's den. They've made a horrible, horrible decision about a law, about saying there's no prayer. You can't pray to anybody except, you know, the king. Could you imagine if that happened? Attorney General of the United States of America gets up there and says we've created a new law. Uh, we haven't run it through, so it's going to be a rule instead of an actual law. But we're still going to enforce it as if it is law. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll battle it in the con- you know the, the courts later. But uh, uh, for right now, here, here, here's the law: uh, no one's allowed to pray. Oh, so we can't pray at you know opening of meetings and stuff. No, no, you can't even pray in your own home. Well, who's going to enforce that? Well, we're going to install cameras and microchips in your home. Microphones. You're like, what? But I I just want you to imagine this. 99% of the population goes, you know, that's probably a good idea. What are you going to do? Well, that's never going to happen in the United States of America. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's not be so sure of that. Let's not be so confident in ourself and our position with God as a nation. Let's not let's let's not put ourselves where we ought not be. But 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 here in verse eighteen, what does Daniel do? <clears throat> in Daniel chapter six, it says uh um Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Well, why is the king fasting? Why is the king fasting? Because Daniel, his friend, was thrown into that. The decision was his decision. Could you imagine being responsible for the death of a friend? In a rather horrific manner, by the way. There's going to be some chastening. There's going to be some correction. There's going to be seeking God. There's going to be some real hard humbling. Oh, you're king and you just made a dumb law. That's going to be take one of the most important persons that you have in your life and it's going to effectively eliminate them. You fell for it, king. 
And he throws them in there with those lions. And he doesn't want any music to soothe him. And he doesn't sleep the whole night. And he's fasting. He doesn't want to eat. And this is a short fast. This is a small one. Because very early in the morning, he you know, raises up and gets out there to the stone to see if he's been eaten by lions. And Daniel's totally fine. He's down there with the little kitties. They're fine. The kitties are still hungry. Oh, well, we've got some people we can throw down there. <laughs> but, but, but he enters into this with fasting. Because he knows that this is a difficult situation. He's placed himself in. This is a difficult, difficult situation. Daniel uh, chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9 in verse 3. I don't want us to see this here. Uh, Here's a situation where, again, um, there's some prophecies that are coming up and uh, some very certain things that are are being said and uh, talking about the 70 years and the uh, desolation of Jerusalem. We find in verse 2, but in verse 3, Here's what Daniel does. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And here he is seeking the Lord. Who are you praying and fasting unto when those difficult times happen? It's unto God. It's under his power. It's under his knowledge. It's under his way. It's how he's going to handle the situation. It's the way he's going to do it. Daniel knew that when all this stuff was going on and all these things that he's beginning to see and all the prophecies that are starting to happen and, and just witnessing all of the stuff that's going to happen to the nation of Israel seven, you know, several years into the future. Hearing what Jeremiah is prophesying, hearing all of these other things that are happening and occurring, and and he's like, I need to go to the Lord, but the only way I'm going to go to the Lord is I'm going to go humble, and I'm going to go with a very penitent heart and very, very much seeking the Lord, and I'm going to do it by prayer, I'm going to do it by supplication, and I'm going to do it with fasting. Many times when we're seeking God's face, sometimes we do it so nonchalantly. But we don't really truly engage the Lord in a way that is respectful. You know, there's guys that sit there and say, oh, I can pray to him, you know, I'm just going to pray to the big guy in the sky. No, no, let's not do that. Let's realize who God is. And, and, and I think to really truly grasp the concept of who he is, how about we just fast and realize that the Lord keeps you alive while you're fasting? You ever realize that? The way God created our bodies? You can live a couple of days without food. It's okay. You'll live. It's humbling. You know, we go back over there to that Let's go over to Mark chapter 9 and see that passage, and we'll, we'll close with this. Mark chapter 9, verse 29, he says, This kind can come forth by nothing, 
you know, sometimes we have to realize that there is absolutely nothing we can do about the situation. There is nothing you can do about it. Not a thing. You're just along for the ride. Somebody else is piloting the aircraft. Maybe somebody you put in the driver's seat. And you realize, oh, they don't know how to fly it. We're going down. There's nothing you can do. What do you do? Pray and fast. Nothing. This kind of thing can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. So the reason I, I, I kind of wanted to approach this subject is, you know, sometimes in your life when you're going through and you're, you, you find yourself kind of stuck in a rut of trying the same things and you're not getting the results that you think you are, I think that that's a sign for us to stop for a moment, ask the Lord what we need to do, seek his way, and usually it needs to be done with prayer and fasting. Not only is it about humbling ourselves and putting our flesh into submission, but it's also about seeking an answer from God. With a humble spirit. With, with, with a mind that says, Lord, I really want to know what you think. Lord, I, I want direction from you in this. Lord, I want you to know what you want me to do with, with myself, with the people around me, with the children, with the stuff. What do you want me to do? And it comes to just going to the Lord with prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. And we find it as a pattern throughout Scripture. We find it as something that is often not talked about. Why? We're in the United States of America. You think I'm going to fast for my McDonald's? What's the matter with you? Yeah, we probably should fast from that. Okay, let's put it in there something more serious. Taco Bell. Yeah, you should probably fast from that. <laughs> but what we look at is we look at how does God want us to approach the situation? And let me ask this. Do we really believe that this is going to work? Why can't we cast it out? Why can't I deal with this problem? Because you're not believing. Why am I not seeing resolution the way I was expecting? Because you're not believing. You don't have enough faith. I think you need to pray and seek God for it. I think you need to do it humbly. I think you need to put your flesh into the correct perspective. That's what he was telling the disciples. This only comes up by prayer and fasting. Next time you run into a situation where you say, the Lord rebuke thee, and it doesn't come out, immediately go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your guidance, I need your direction. And flesh, you're going to get afflicted and chastened here a little bit. We're going to put some things to the side. We're going to set aside what you think is important and we're going to put God as the primary importance here. Because this is an important issue to deal with. Tell you, it's one of the things that will really, truly 
change your perspective on who God is, how we go to Him, and what it is we ask of Him. Just a simple prayer and fasting. Don't make it known. Don't walk around saying, hey, I'm fasting. You think you need help? Go to another person and say, will you fast with me? Yeah. I'm facing a big decision. Will you fast with me? Yeah. I'm facing something I need to get out of my life. Will you fast with me and pray with me? Yeah. These are all things that are important. These are not the usual methods. I guess if I had a title for the sermon message, it would be not the usual method. Most of those devils were getting cast out by simple words. Powerful words, but simple words. This one took a little bit of a different method to get it done. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the time. Thank you again for this opportunity, Lord, to to study your word. And, and Lord, I just pray that as we look at it and kind of realize the serious nature of it and the humility that we should be having when we approach you, that, Lord, um, you'll just teach us. And that sometimes in this life, we're going to have to do some things that are not the usual method. Maybe some things we're uncomfortable with. Maybe some things that we're not necessarily wanting to to really do, but are necessary for us to do. To put our flesh right where it needs to be. To put our our, our primary position as you and you alone. And Lord, again, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for, again, what you teach us. I thank you for the way you teach us, gently, kindly, with care, with compassion. Lord, how you show us, we need to just grow closer and closer to you. Thank you again for this. Pray you take us home safely tonight. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.